Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good afternoon, y'all. It's the food show. I'm Allie Lofton, the oyster lady. At least that's what people call me, Doug, is the oyster lady. Um, so I'm Allie Lofton with Lofton Oysters. I'm sitting in for Tom and Marianne today. They're taking a little respite as they should. I know the show keeps them busy and um, their writing activities keep them busy and, and kids and grandkids. So it's good to take a break. And that gives me an opportunity to come in and um, have a, a little break from the hustle and bustle of my life and do something fun. Um, I love coming in and doing the show. I love talking to the listeners out there. So call in and talk with me. Tell me what you did for the weekend. Tell me where you went. Tell me what you ate. Tell me what you cooked. Tell me what you drank. Um, 260-6368. And we're going to be having a good time on 105.3. But Doug, listen, so this is my jam. Do you remember Bewitched? I do. Okay. So I... um. I like the intro music to her, right? Because she was like the, you know, even though that show was in the 60s, she was like the modern day um, stay-at-home mom, but uh, wizardry, witchcraft, she's doing all the things, getting everything done, running the household. So um, that's what I do while I'm not running Lofton Oysters. And um, shout out to my husband today because he's doing all the things with the kids' camps and pickups and... Um, getting kids at different locations and afternoon snacks and stuff like that. So mommy can be here doing something fun, but also talking about my business. Um, it's always been Logan in the studio when um, when I come in, which he's great. I love him. Um, hey, Logan, if you're listening to, well, you're not at work today. but um, So now Doug and I get a chance to hang out because we haven't had the opportunity to do that yet. And um, I get to tell him a little bit more about my business because I know he's familiar with it. I mean, I call into the show often um, when the kids aren't screaming in the background after a school pickup, but... Um, so to remind you all, I'm Lofton Oysters. Um, Allie Lofton, I own the business with my husband, Kyle, and my brother-in-law, Mike. And um, we started it back in 2011. And uh, we were basically stuck in this situation where I was in grad school. I was going to LSU for my master's. And we were eating out doing happy hour right after I got out of classes from three to five. And, you know, when you go for happy hour prices, like it's pretty affordable, especially for a broke college kid. And so we would go and then it would turn into dinner and maybe a couple more drinks. And so what started out as sort of like a $30 bill ends up as like a 50 or $60 bill because after you've had some appetizers and drinks, I mean, are you really interested in going home and cooking dinner no 
you're tired. That's why you went to happy hour. You're trying to like relax from the day. So my husband and I started brainstorming and we were like, how, how can we do this at home? Like there's, there's gotta be a way to do this at home that's, that's easier. Now, the thing about me is I'm not from here. I'm originally from Kansas. So I'm a, a born and raised meat and potatoes, um, cattle girl. And, you know, I, I love oysters. I love seafood. Um, I eat all different kinds of things. And so really it's my husband and my brother-in-law who, um, you know, shucked the oysters, cleaned the oysters, cooked the oysters. And it's a very labor intensive process. So my husband and I just started talking. I was like, honey, Kyle, th there's got to be a way to to do this easier, that we can do it during the weeknight, where we're not having to shuck and clean and, and, and do the whole ordeal, which we do do on the weekends, but, you know, we wanted something easier. So we started looking, researching, and at the time, all we could find was people were cooking in muffin tins. Right, so like the mini, the the mini muffin tins, or maybe if you have the bigger ones, you're putting several oysters in one. So they were cooking them in the muffin tins and putting the muffin tins on the grill. I mean, this is what was all over, you know, the internet, if you will, because you're not really finding that method in a cookbook. So <clears throat> we're we're reading and we're researching, and all we're seeing is people putting the muffin tins on the pit, or cooking them in the oven under the broiler. Well, are, are you a big oyster cooker, Doug? Uh, no, I am not a big oyster cooker. I am an oyster eater. Okay, right. Okay, so you obviously know from at least observing that it's a very labor-intensive process. Something I really wouldn't want to do a whole lot. Okay, well, I'm about to make your life exponentially better. I'm ready. Okay, so <clears throat> we, start, we start looking, we start reading, and, and we find these muffin tins, and the problem that we realize with it is if you are... A, um, a big griller, which you're not, so, but I'm, I'm sure you've observed plenty, so I'm gonna bring you full circle, is muffin tins have several rows, right? Well, what happens when you put the muffin tin on the pit and you're trying to wrap the flames around this gigantic muffin tin? Okay, it's not gonna work, right? The point of char-grilled oysters, where you're getting the substantial flavor from char-grilled char oysters, is that the flames are wrapping and kissing the top of your toppings and your fat with your butter and the butter's getting smoky and it's flaming up and bubbling up. And, and so that's not achievable for those center oysters when you're cooking with the muffin tin. So we're like, okay, well that method is not gonna work. I mean, that's not giving us really what we want because essentially we want the authentic thing, right? Anne Maloney um, with NOLA.com always talks about how she has she has this series she's been running where it's like Louisiana's will, Louisianans will never leave things alone, right? We're always looking for some way to do it different or do it better or outdo ourselves or or um, you know, come up with a, a new way to do it that nobody else is doing it. So we wanted that method, but we wanted something that was gonna act like the actual material that an oyster shell is made of. So we just started researching and, and looking for some different options and enter what we found, which is what our um, shells are made of. It's called a high flameware clay. 
So you have your serving ware, right? Which is what you, you know, present food on. Maybe you cut, you're cutting a prime rib down and you're putting it on a nice ceramic plate. So you have this serving ware, which is its own ceramic type. Then you have bakeware, which will withstand oven temperatures for a certain period of time, like your good corning ware, your casserole dishes. That's called your bakeware. Then you have a clay body type that's called a flameware. And it is essentially what it is called, which means it stands up or can stand up to top down from your broiler or bottom up from the grill. So we found this clay flameware and we basically reverse molded these oyster shells, right? So essentially it's like you got a real oyster next to you um, and you got the clay in front of you. And essentially, you know, after you've cleaned up the oysters and such, you are pressing the clay down into the shape, you pull it out. And then you just kind of finish it off by hand. You make sure it sits upright, you make sure you have enough depth to cup and hold all of the juices, um, you know, even sides, it's not rocking over. So we get this clay and we make this first prototype. This is, again, this is in 2011. And Mike, who is in the business with us, my brother-in-law, he has a contact from Tulane there in the ceramics department. And he calls him up and says, hey, can I get these shells fired? I have this thing I'm trying to do, this idea I'm trying to like get, you know, flushed out. Will you fire them for me? And so the deal about flameware is that not only can it uh, stand up to direct flame, but the firing process that it goes through is this clay is brought to, in our kilns, to 2200 degrees. And uh, let me ask you something about yep. that. Uh, 2200 degrees is hotter? Or less hot than uh, than normal. Oh, it's much greenware would be. I done. mean, so I, I guess um, you know we have people that ask us all the time. You know, can it stand up to a big green egg? And I think big green egg maxes out at between thirteen and fifteen hundred degrees. So you're talking about something that is going a thousand degrees higher under fire and pressure. Um to essentially the the result is what it's called vitrification so that's a big word right but vitrification essentially means that it locks out moisture and the reason why locking out moisture is so important with these shells is that that's what makes real oyster shells unstable they're porous they're just a whole bunch of, of materials, vitamins, minerals that essentially get compacted together and then, and then the oyster forms inside. So they're sitting in water, they absorb water. So what happens? You, you pull them out of the waters, you clean them up, but that water that's still in the porous parts of the oyster shell are still there. So you take the real oyster shells, you shuck them, you put them on the grill. And as long as you get ones that are flat enough bottoms or maybe you're kind of like you know, propping them up against each other um, to make sure that they sit upright and don't lose all your juices and such, is now the flame is interacting with H2O. That's combustible. 
that's why real oyster shells have the propensity to crack and explode on the grill. And so you have this, this unstable material that's contracting and expanding over time and you're basically taking the risk of, are they gonna crack and explode on me? Am I gonna lose my oyster shells, et cetera? Now, in the years that we've had these and we've, we've had this business, we have heard stories from every end of the spectrum. So, you know, people that, you know, had one blow up in their face or, you know, had um, some fly off the grill and crack and make your mess. Now, listen, we still, on the weekends, will, you know, get them, um, shuck them, clean them, eat them raw. But if we're going to cook them, this is the most superior and easy way to do it. It literally changed, you know, I mean, I say it's like lots of things in life, you know, are, are big game changers. But in terms of our cooking methods, this was a complete turnaround for us. But we had only, at this point in making them, made them for ourselves. That, that was really, we, we were looking for something for us, um, just as a, as a twosome um, between me and my husband. And then, um, my, hus so my husband is in hospitality. Um, he operates hotels. And he was working at a hotel. So here at this point, we're at this point where we've concepted this idea, we've gotten the clay, we fired it. And my husband is working at a hotel and he says, he's, um, he takes a phone call one day. And the person on the line is like, hey, do you have any oyster shells? My husband's like, yeah. He was working at Mike Anderson's, the hotel that's connected with Mike Anderson's um, in Gonzales, which is a, a huge restaurant, does tons of char-grilled oysters all the time, raw, all different variations. And he's like, yeah, I got some oyster shells in my trash. And he's like, can I have them? And my husband's like, can you have my trash? And the guy's like, yeah, I'm going to cook oysters on them this weekend. And <laughs> you see where I'm going with this. Right. So there's a few problems with there's a few problems with this, but my husband's like, of course, no, because that's against every food violation and regulation that exists. But then essentially what happened is this complete 360 in our mind, which is there are other people out there just like us. They just haven't figured out this concept yet. So we, um, we, we get this prototype, we're cooking with it. Um, we have a Mardi Gras party and uh, a whole bunch of people over. And we just have 12 at this point, Doug, just 12 shells that we're cooking on. And so we, we're, um, you know, cooking up oysters and somebody says, hey, where can I get some of these? And we're like, uh, we don't have any more. Like, this is it. And they're like, wait, where'd you get them? We're like, no, we made them. This is we made them for ourselves and they were just like guys this like this is it this is a turning point like you need to make a business out of this so this was the big thing right there that was the 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 point where the light came on yes it and was before it was just for us we had made them just for ourselves mm -hmm. um and it was it was light bulb right it was the light bulb moment so i mean we are not ceramicists. We are not trained artists. Um, 
And so we knew we were going to have to do something. And you know, I'm going to tell you about that. Yes. I, as a matter of fact, I want to hear about that process. And, and we'll do that uh, in just a moment. Perfect. Okay. Great. We'll talk to you all soon. We're back. One oh five point three FDM HD two. Oh, I almost got that right. I got it right the last time. Um, thank you, Doug. We're back. You're listening to one oh five point three FM HD two, WWL.com. Call in. Talk to me. Call call me in. Call in to me with an oyster recipe. I know I'm talking about my business, but I want to hear about y'all's oyster recipes. And I also have a question, too. D- Doug, let me know what you think about this. But I'm asking the listeners is, you know, of course, um, there has always been this rule of thumb established for uh, eating oysters in the months with R, right? Now, a uh, hundred years ago, when there wasn't um, modern day refrigeration like we have it that's that's why we have this rule of thumb because there was no way to keep oysters cold enough long enough as they were transporting them from the waters and so you know the warmer waters allow for bacteria to grow in harbor which I'm going to touch on with my my oyster you know um, business and the development of the shells but they, you know, they, they can grow um, bacteria much quicker in the warmer weather. So are y'all out there eating and cooking oysters any time of the year? It doesn't matter. Because every time I talk to a customer, whether it's, you know, a, a, a large store account or an individual customer who's, who's bought, um, they love our shells and they buy our shells and they use our shells, but they still say, well, I only, I only use the shells in the months that end in ER. And I'm like, why? You're cooking the oysters. That, that's killing off any bacteria that, that you could possibly consume. Um, of course, yes, there is, there's always a possibility just with any food, but most of the time the warnings are out there for raw oysters, right? You see them all over the restaurant menus underneath the oyster listings. But my question to you guys, 260-6368, call me, is are, are, even as New Orleanians, are we only eating oysters, doesn't matter, cooked or raw, in the months that end in ER? Because not me. Now, I was just at, I, I brought Doug and I, um, my favorite summertime drink right now from Superior Seafood, which is a, a frozen French 75. I just stopped over there on, on the way in, and um, someone was eating a dozen of uh, raw oysters right next to me, and I didn't have a chance to get any. But they looked fantastic and smelled great. So, like, what's your cutoff time frame? I mean, I feel like we went through the months, several months. I mean, it was really cold, much longer until it started heating up maybe the past six weeks. But if I ate oysters probably about four weeks ago, and they were amazing. So are are y'all out there still eating raw oysters? Or is there a time frame in which you just switch to cooked oysters? How do you feel about that, Doug? Is there a time frame in which you're like, no more raw oysters from this no. point to this point? No, never has been. Never has been. Never has been. Now, it, it just as, as, as a, a point of reference here, yes. it is a state law that you cannot reuse 
oyster shells. This is true in all of all. the restaurants, which didn't happen if my, if I recollect correctly, didn't really get implemented till about 10 years ago and didn't, didn't in restaurants. Yes, that's in correct. In restaurants. Any, any place you were selling food to the public. Right. So, but then it didn't really start getting enforced. So 10 years ago, they have this mandate. Then it didn't really start getting enforced because everybody knows, you know, the uh, the food inspectors coming around. I, I worked um, in restaurants for many, many years. You get a phone call. You got, like, your friend restaurant down there. You're like, hey, the food inspector just called me. Like, you know, get your act together because they're probably coming your way. Um, so they really didn't start enforcing it. And um, we got a good bit of business when we first started that were from restaurants who do serve raw and they do serve cooked and they want to serve that all year long but obviously during the summer you know hospitality is not as high in the city um there's not a a, or hospitality tourism isn't as um high in the city it it dips down but they still want to serve oysters so enter buying our shells right so you don't have to have um as much labor around to shuck you're not having to have um, a whole bunch of refrigerator space or buy a sack right you've seen half sacks or whole sacks i mean those take up a lot of refrigeration space that you that you have to have um at your restaurant so So, you can buy a gallon of oysters so you can buy a gallon of oysters which actually has a longer shelf life why because they're contained in a tight airtight container right and they're compact so you just scoop them out put them in the oyster shells cook them they're commercial grade clay so you can put them in like you know the little slots where you would um put your glassware you know that you're going to run through your commercial dishwasher you just put the oyster shells there and you just run them through the dishwasher so especially for smaller restaurants that still want to serve this you know very um you know new orleans quintessential dish now they don't have to you know maintain the same quantity and frequency that they're buying the real oyster shells they can make it through the summer months until hospitality really picks back up um, and so we all ha- of the shells are the same volume so yes. you there so there it's easy to uh, use your recipe in it you don't have to sort of gauge anything correct correct we we make them you know even though they're hand molded um and hand finished that's one of the things we said like if we're going to do this they're going to have a few functionality points essentially um is what we call them which is even sides flat bottoms certain depth certain width so that they can hold you know during during peak oyster season december and january you could get some fat mamas you know they're going to take up the whole shell so you want enough room still to top or your juices and your sauces and, and cook them uh so we make them to have these functionality points. So 260, I'm reminding you all, because I know y'all are out there listening. Steven, where are you at, Steven? Because I know last time we didn't get an opportunity to talk about it, but you were going to tell me about your crab imperial recipe that you were going to put in the shell. So call in and tell me about that, 260-6368. But my question is, are you eating oysters all year round, or do you stop at a certain point on... Um, you know, for raw oysters and you only do cooked, you know, through the summer. 
Now the other point about the shells, um, Doug, that I was gonna that I was gonna tell you about is thing about food safety. Okay, so real oyster shells that come out of the water, and you're gonna buy the shells, and you're gonna bring them to your house. Um, you know, you're gonna shuck them and clean them. There's still living bacteria, right, all around the shell. And, and you can um, clean them and everything and get them ready for the grill. Now, when we were first releasing this product, um, you know, it's funny. Like, we have this – New Orleans is such an amazing city to develop a business in. Um, it has been incredibly supportive, incredibly inspiring. You know, people are always like, you know, good for you guys. I had this idea. I remember when we first started out, we started doing um, small markets, like arts markets, um, because we hand make the shells. And people would be like, oh, man, I had this idea. Like, I had this idea. And we're like, yeah, we didn't do anything about it because we did something about it. Or, or then some people would come by and they say, and they would say, oh, you guys are taken away from some of the best time-honored traditions, pastimes, you know, this is something you're supposed to sit around and do together as a family. And we're like, hold up, wait a minute, listen. We're just talking about cooking oysters, cooking oysters, you know, which, you're, I mean, you got to shuck them and clean them, don't you? But somebody at the shucking house is just, I mean, you're buying oysters for other things, right? Oyster dressing, oyster soup. Are you shucking oysters for oyster soup? No. You're buying already shucked oysters for those things. So you're already buying shucked oysters. And besides the people um, who are shucking at the oyster houses, you know where those shells are going back to and not in the landfill? They're going back to the oyster estuaries where they can regrow and repopulate more oysters. So it's, it's really this, you know, reciprocity, reciprocal relationship um, for people like us who have just come up with an idea to make things easier. We didn't say stop eating oysters, you know. Um, so in the development of that, uh, we had heard, you know, all of the stories. So essentially, um, one of the things that we heard in the first couple of years of releasing um, the product is that people were reusing real oyster shells. So they would buy a half a sack or however much they're, you know, however much they're buying to, to shuck and um, clean and cook. But then they would save them. Now, I, we heard basically like two different methods for saving these oyster shells. So one of them, um, and I'm telling you truth here, y'all. Somebody said they periodically soaked them in buckets of bleach, bleach water, to remove all of the bacteria. Then they would pull them out, wash them, run them through the dishwasher, and then that would be it. Like that was their, they felt confident in this method 
for cleaning and and preserving their oyster shells in order to reuse them. Now, I have a question about the glaze, but we're going to ask that question right after we uh, let people know a few other things. Certainly. Okay. Let's do it. I'm going to get it right this time. 105.3 FM HD2. You like that, Doug? Works for me. Yeah. It's Allie Lofton, the oyster lady, back with you. WWL.com. Call in. It's the food show. Marianne and Tom are taking a little break, as they should. This seat gets busy. Lots to talk about in the city. So call in and talk to me. I know y'all are out there listening. I'm having a great time talking to Doug, period. But we would love to hear from you guys. So call in 260-6368. We're talking about oysters right now. We're going to talk about some other stuff too. I got lots to talk about. But um, I wanted to reintroduce myself and tell y'all what has been going on with Lofton Oysters and get uh, some ideas from you about how you've been cooking oysters. How did you spend this last oyster season, if you will? If you were the type of person, I posed this question earlier, if you're the type of person that only eats oysters or raw oysters in the months of ER? Is it because, you know, you're following the the rule of thumb? Is it because it's just so ingrained in you culturally? Is it because you can truly tell a difference um, between raw in what is their peak season, um, the wintertime, or the months in the end in ER? Are you an all-time, all-around, doesn't matter what time of the year oyster eater? Doug says it doesn't matter to him. It really doesn't matter to me either. Um, I do know, and I will tell you this, Doug, I do know that through the months of May through uh, the end of October, oysters are very um, specifically graded for how long they spend once they're removed from the water, how long they spend transporting until their final destination to be sure that they are the utmost safe to eat. So we work with a lot of seafood distributors who um, want to present, let's let's say there's a restaurant in the city that hasn't um, had the ability to serve char-grilled oysters. Um, You know, maybe it's refrigeration space, maybe it's grill space, um, maybe it's storage space, and they wanna serve serve our oysters. So, but they've gotta buy them in the already shucked containers. Well, the oysters that come out of the waters and go um, straight to the seafood um, distribution companies, um, they want to take our shells and go to these restaurants that maybe haven't been able to buy oysters from them, right? And say, hey, we got a solution for you. Not only does it help the seafood distribution company sell oysters to this restaurant, but it also gives the restaurant another revenue stream and to be able to offer char-grilled oysters where they haven't been able to in the past or baked ones or what have you. I mean, we haven't really talked about the broiling method of them um, when you don't wanna fire up the pit in the middle of the week um, or whatever. And we've got, you know, tons of recipes that um, we experiment with, you know, when we're broiling them versus char grilling them on the pit. 
Um, so it, it, it gives a lot of versatility to restaurants who haven't had the ability in the past. Um, but what I was telling you before we went to break, and I know y'all are listening out there, so call in and tell me about your oyster recipes and answer my question, 260-6368. But so people were cleaning the oysters. That's what I'm telling you about. They were poo-pooing our ceramic oyster shells, which are food safe, grill safe, oven safe. And the reason why they are considered food safe is what I was telling you before, which is the vitrification process. If moisture is locked out of the shell, bacteria can't get in. That's what makes them food safe. Um, so people were like, oh, I don't need these. I just reuse mine, right? Back to our point about reusing oyster shells being illegal. Can't do it. Okay. So, <laughs> so somebody, I don't know if you heard this, two, real, two things that came up. Soaking their oyster shells, real oyster shells, Doug, in a bucket of bleach water. Boy, I bet that tastes good. <laughs> Man, let me tell you about keeping composure when somebody tells you this, because they're serious. They are confident in this method, in this cleaning decision. So they're going to soak it in a bucket of bleach water, and then they're going to run it through their dishwasher. And then they just reuse them. And then, you know, you look at them, and you kind of, like, cock your eyebrow. You're like, mm, think about this. And they're like, well, you know, periodically we throw that set away and we get a new set. And I'm like, you're already doubting yourself. You just don't want to tell me you're doubting yourself. And then the next um, preservation method, if you will, was heat-resistant paint. Y'all. Say that again, please. Heat-resistant heat paint y'all i'm not making this up this is the stuff that you usually paint uh on the uh, exhaust pipes of a car yeah that's how they, this is okay. what we're talking about i'm not making this up if you're out there listening heat resistant paint on the interior of the shells in order to reuse them now listen anytime you start a business you're not going to be for everybody right now there are things in this world that are for everybody, right? We all want air conditioning, especially here in the South. We all want a method to cook on, so we need a stove. There are essentials in life that are for everybody. When you start a business like ours that is an accoutrement, a cooking utensil, you may not be for everybody. And that's okay. That's the risk you take. But... Most of the time, because we started this business and this product, like I said, for ourselves, because we found a need um, personally that we wanted met. And then we realized, hey, wow, I guess, I mean, we eventually would have gotten there. But then somebody says, you guys really need to make a business out of this. And we realize, hey, there are other people that have the same need. So when you start a business, you're not uh, in it to satisfy, appease, attract everybody. And so there are going to be those people out there that, that counter you and say, oh, well, you're taking away from, the, from some of the best pastimes. 
uh, you know, family times is to sit around and chuck oysters or, oh, we don't need your product because we soak them in a bucket of bleach water or we paint them with heat-resistant paint. And it's in those moments where you could say something, but you're like, you know, that's okay. We're not for everybody. And you're not. But those, uh, when, you, um, when you first start a business and you hear those things and people are, are sort of giving you their feedback, I remember the first uh, festival we ever went to, and um, it was amazing. It was uh, the Oyster Jam on Ferret, right next to this oyster house and down Ferret Street in 2014. Uh, January of 2014, so we had started selling in uh, Christmas of 13, and we went to our first arts market oyster jam in January of 14, and we took 13 sets that we had sat around. So you get 12 shells to a sack. Um, So we were taking, you know, around 160 uh, shells with us, and... We sold out, and we thought we were the jam. Got one? Let's do it. Gregory, thanks for being my first caller, Gregory. Gregory, you there? uh, My pleasure. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes! Oh, I had to turn you up. I'm sorry about that. Go ahead. So... The shells that you sell, the porcelain shells that you sell, I guess that's what they're made out of. They're porcelain. ceramic. Porcelain is a is a type of clay body, um, but flameware is the clay body that we make our shells out of. Right, ceramic. They're fabulous. We we love them. We use them more for uh, small uh, casseroles like our, our gratins and and things of that sort than okay. we use oysters. But when we do use them, they work great. And what I need to know is where is the best place that I could buy these for the least amount of money. (laughs) You know what? I'm glad I'm glad you bring that up, actually. Um yes. So if anybody out is out there wondering, um Greg you know, Gregory owns them, so he knows they run about seventy bucks. Um and Gregory, I I don't know if you own your own business or whatnot, and I'm gonna answer your question, but Yes, these are an investment piece for sure. They're a part of your cooking utensils that you're going to have for a long time. That is as long as you don't get uh, too slippery of fingers and and drop them on your patio when you're grilling, which we've had a number of people um, call us for. But um, I do know that in the city between like Martin's Wine Cellar that sells them and Dorgnack's, and Langenstein's, um, Rouse's sells them. They all kind of float specials depending on the year. So like they have their price, right, around the the $69 um, point, which is what we sell them for on our website. But those places, those grocery, specialty grocery stores, they all kind of float specials throughout the year um, and sell them at 
you know, a 10 um, to 15 and maybe depending on like a Father's Day special, I know I saw them doing recently like 20% off. Now they're not always priced like that, um, but I know that they do float specials around those stores. Um, just like they float any specials around a grocery store for different items. I understand completely. Um, I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure that I paid fifty nine dollars for, and that was at Duranex, so it must have been a special. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, can you tell me um, what is your favorite recipe to um, put on them? And you said you mostly do them for like casserole type things. Is that correct? Well, when you make crab meat au gratin, you can make it in a big dish and then just scoop it scoop out. Scoop it out. It's right. Better if you make it in these little uh, uh, shells. Yes. And, uh, heap it on and then cook them and they're just like right. a one type appetizer. Single serve. serving type style. Yeah. 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 Any, any kind of a uh, crab meat dish would be fabulous. Do you ever put that crab meat on top of an oyster, Gregory? Do so it. It just really depends whether, it just depends on what we're doing. It's like that's divine. Really good yeah. yeah, but it is. It no is so it. good. And f- Go ahead. Right now, the oysters are kind of small. Uh, you can put two or three in, in, in yours. So yes, so, right, depending on the year, for sure, or depending on the time of right. year, yes. But we did have uh, raw oysters recently, and uh, right now the oysters are, they have zero salt content. I know, and that so makes like, it tough. Yeah, so if you well, like a salty oyster, that's not happening. Now let all. me ask but, you, I'm curious. I, I, so I posed a question earlier. What type of oyster eater are you do you stop eating raw at a certain point in the year and switch only to cooked or are you an all year like doug had expressed doesn't matter i eat raw i eat you know baked or or char grilled that's uh, an easy answer we just eat them all the time as long as they're good right they're not milky and, and uh they taste good yeah not a, we don't recognize the mud, so. Do you um? Do you have a place that you prefer to buy you your oysters that you feel like is consistent? And the milky thing—that's probably the number one. I don't like if I'm gonna cook them. All right, let's be honest. Here's the deal: you're gonna cook them, you're gonna top them with a whole bunch of you know um, toppings and sauces and and accessories like. Do you really need a super salty matter, oyster? It no. It doesn't matter what time of the year it is if you're cooking oysters. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, it only comes into play for all. But if you are going to buy them already shocked, but but still eat them, maybe you eat a few raw while you're topping them in the shells or whatever, uh, where, where are you buying them that you feel like is consistently on point? Shapers and Captain Sid's is out by the lakefront where we live, mm-hmm. so we always just go to those places. And, and typically we eat the raw or the char raw out at the lakefront, too, since we live out in that area. Right. So, um, and they have so many, I mean, blue crab, the Felixes. Right. Um, That's probably my number one for oysters is Felix's. And I haven't been out to the one out there in in Lakeview yet. But um, any chance I can get, I I go to the French Quarter Forum. Um, I feel like I consistently get really good oysters 
um, from Jordanax too. So you know, you said you bought you bought the shells from there, but um, that's probably my go-to for some really consistently good oysters. It doesn't matter, you know, in the already shucked in the container or, or shucking them myself. But we always buy them by the gallon, so yeah. uh, it's easier to get them from the seafood purveyor. Right. They're always a little bit better priced, and uh, and Restaurant Depot also sells them, and they're very well priced. Yeah, I agree totally. In fact, I like buying um, a good bit of my stuff from Restaurant Depot um, seafood-wise. I feel like they're really turning and burning um, good seafood, so I agree with you. Definitely, but we try to get it locally as best we can. Yep. It's a trip down there just to get one thing. Sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, because you're not really buying a, a bag of a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But Restaurant Depot, Depot and Sid's um, and also Schaefer sells oysters by the sack, and they're pretty uh, cleaned up, and they sell them by a the sack, and they're usually 100 oysters in them. Wow. Well, nice. And that's fun. That's fun, too, if you, if you like to shuck them. Yeah. I don't think there's too many people that like to shuck them. Yeah. I think your product fills in about 95% of the people that would like to cook these things at home. It's a great product. Uh, it, it just, it, they're, they're fabulous. Greg, uh, I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Well, it's flat on the bottom. Um, they're consistent in size, different shapes, but all the same size. Right. And you can do multiple things with them. So I, I, I endorse your product. Right. Well, you know, uh, what's funny about the, you know, they, they all have different uh, styles and shapes. Um, you know, but they have the sort of like functionality points um, that that are consistent is because we have righties and lefties in our family. So the way my husband molds oyster shells and the way my brother-in-law molds oyster shells and the way I mold oyster shells is all different. I'm a I'm a righty. My brother-in-law is a righty and my husband is a lefty. So, like, the way we turn and mold the oyster shells looks different, and that's why. So we all yeah, want them, you know, we all want them to look like real oyster shells, right? Because that's the point. That's why we made them that way, but just to function better. Do you have any children? I do. I have a, a four-year-old son and a two-year-old girl. Are either of them left-handed? Yes, my girl is going to be a left-handy, and my son is a right-hander. I have two, and uh, I'm a left-hander, and my son is 100% left-handed, and my daughter is 100% right-handed. Yep. <laughs> right. So you know, you know, things are going to turn out differently. You know, just just by the way you just by the way you turn things. Well, Gregory, I wanted to tell you. So I live in Old Metairie. You live over there in Lakefront. Like we're not too far from each other. But uh, this Sunday, or excuse me, not Sunday, this Saturday, at the Southern Food and Food and Beverage Museum, we're doing a cooking demonstration. I don't know what you got going on, or or you know, you want to bring the kids, or or your significant other, or whatnot. But um, it's at one o'clock at the Southern Food and Beverage Museum. We throw out a few different recipes, um, and we just kind of talk about our story. We have some drinks. It's an hour long. It's a great time. I don't know what you got going on this weekend, but where's that at? Arethal Cast uh, Castle Haley Boulevard. Yeah. I've been there. It's a nice place. Yeah, it really is. In fact, I mean, it's great because you got tubes right next door. It's just a curtain. You literally walk through a curtain and go grab a drink. Um, but so we grab a drink wait, wait, right wait. there. Tubes, tubes what? 
tube south. You know, there's tubes metery, and then there's tube yeah. south. Tube south is is connected to the Southern Food and Beverage Museum. Is is tube south the same thing as tube metery? Yeah, there, it's the same guy, Isaac Tubes. Wow, that's a great place. Yeah, so I didn't know they were there. we grab yeah. a drink. It's connected. There's no wall. It's a curtain that divides them. So we grab a drink, we walk over, we do the cooking demonstration, and now the Southern Food and Beverage Museum, oh, Gregory. Okay. Saturday, 1 o'clock. Talk to you later. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.